Hi, this is Danielle and Kira, and you're listening to Scrunchify, a show by mamas for mamas. Here we cover all the creative ways to make money, save money, and invest to reach financial freedom and live the life you want. All right. Hi, Hi. Danielle. Hey, Kira. Um, hey. So we are like <laughs> at episode five. How exciting. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yay. Uh, so this episode, we <laughs> want to talk about um, where to save your money. So maybe you're like just getting out of debt or you've got an emergency fund or you have a little extra money to stash away and you're kind of not sure like where is the best place to put it. I know I was at that point. I had an emergency fund and a uh, savings account that wasn't growing or earning anything, but I didn't know anything better. So let's talk about that savings accounts and how they're not the best place to save your money. Um, let's talk about high yield interest accounts, um, CDs. Uh, let's talk about investing in the stock market. Ooh. <laughs> and let's talk about like <laughs> compound interest, how that is really what it's all about to grow your money. And let's talk about, so with investing, uh, index funds or picking stocks and what kind of accounts can we invest in? So what is an emergency fund, right? Like how much money should you even have in there? What, what's the deal? So an emergency fund at its very basic level is a quantity of money that would cover, I think, bare minimum three months of your total living expenses. So first, you need to know what your living expenses are, mm. huh? right? You need to know Previous how much episode. money. <laughs> yeah. You need to know. You need to know. Uh, I know it's hard to know. I don't like knowing. I really don't. I, mm. I hate looking at my budget going, oh, I spent that much. <laughs> um, yeah, it doesn't feel great, but it's required information. Um, yes. And you got to put it all in there. So yeah. at least three months, ideally six months. Mm. And I I know it's hard to look at money and go, that's not invested and it's not making money. But but if it's in a high yield savings account, mm-hmm. it would be, right? And we're going to get into that. So at its basic level, it's money that's available e- immediately. Mm-hmm. Like within 24 hours, it needs to be available um, to pay for your life or yeah. perhaps something uh, emergent that happens. But, yeah. you know, kind of the rule is about three to six months of your total living expenses. Yeah. And that could be losing your job or your kid broke your his arm and you need to like rush to the emergency room. Granted, you probably won't get that bill for, you know tell them to send you the bill later but still there's you know there's emergency things that happen air conditioning breaks that's my last year summer (laughs) um uh i want to say that if you're in if you're working in an industry where you don't think you could find another job within three to six months that's my industry i usually would have to move to a new location you might want to increase that emergency fund um you know, from three, like three months, six months, or even one year. Um, It's really depends on your situation. So a savings account, that's what everyone is signed up with probably as a kid, right? (laughs) And (laughs) yeah, (laughs) I mean, I think that's what I have when I was a kid. Um, I don't Mm -hmm. even think I would sign my kid up with a savings account based on what I know today. Um, It's, 
like a dead account, in my opinion, it doesn't uh, earn any interest, which is like, what's the point of saving your money there? Um, and I think maybe some people don't know that a savings account, that there are options out there that do grow interest. Um, so we both save our money, like emergency cash on hand. We both save them in high interest accounts, right? That's right. So my account right now is earning 3% interest, which sounds exciting. Although when I look at inflation, I am less excited, but nonetheless, it's better than it going, like having no yeah. uh, APY at all, which, right. you know, what's funny is I have a, um, a credit union checking account and they require that you have a savings account oh, with them. Okay. Uh, and you're supposed to have like five dollars, like five dollars is the minimum. So I do have a savings account, and it has five dollars in it, wow, <laughs> so that I can okay. have my checking account with the with the uh, save. Uh, maybe the that's why I but, could, maybe um, that's why I couldn't cancel my savings account. I oh, never read the fine print. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, and I'm not exactly sure what the logic is. Maybe they are trying to entice you to save, but like we know, there are better vehicles to save your money in where you can earn a lot more interest um, than 0.0 whatever they may be offering at a traditional savings account. So, and probably people are confused when they see high yield savings accounts and regular savings accounts. They don't realize that there is a difference and there mm -hmm. is, you always have to look at that APY and see, you know, right now the rates are going to be really high. So I would not settle for anything less than 3% at this mm -hmm. point in time. Yeah. And I think some people think a high interest account is um, uh, not secure, uh, but they actually are. They're they're backed by the bank, the FDIC. It is not invested in the stock market. It is uh, it's kind of like it's the banks, you know, piggy bank so that they can go and um, loan it out. But they you are you can pull your money out. No problem. It's there. You can access it anytime you want to. Maybe some banks might have like a 24 hour rule where you have to wait 24 hours. Um, but you know, just if you're gonna buy a car, you know, think about it the day before, I guess, and uh, you know, pull out the money the next day. Um, yeah, so my account also is earning 3%. And you know, when the interest rates were low, it was, it dropped to like 0.5, but that was still better than the savings accounts, um, just the traditional, which is 0 0.0 something, 0 0.05 yeah. maybe. So 0.5 was still better than nothing. Um, I like keeping my emergency fund there is because, you know, I might need to access that next day, 24 hours. So um, I don't want to invest it in the stock market, that, that um, emergency uh, amount. Um, but I know there's some other options to save as well. So we have high interest and then there's CDs. Your bank has a really cool option. Yeah, so I've actually never put money in a CD until recently. And that's because when I looked at the CDs and the penalties and the amount of interest they were um, accruing, it just didn't make sense for me um, to tie up money for something like, you know, 3% or 4% interest, something like that. Um, which is what I think is is about what what banks are offering for like a one year CD. So a CD is where you put money in. It's like an account, but they just you, they keep the money there. It's just held there. Once you uh, deposit the money, you can't um, 
you can't withdraw it. Like if you withdraw it, you close the CD. You can't just take a portion of it out. You can't put more in. Mm. It's just like held somewhere. And then you get a certain amount of interest for like uh, the, the amount of time that the CD is going to be held for, whether it's 12 months, et cetera. And so, so my bank has, a CD that has a no penalty. So most CDs have a penalty. You you commit to leaving the money there and for, you know, 12 months, 24 months. And if you pull it mm-hmm. out early, you can, but you're going to have some type of penalty, yeah. um, which is some dollar amount. Um, and so my bank has a no penalty CD. So now cool. the interest rate of my savings account has like gone pretty close to the amount of the CD. So it's not oh, that cool. much of an advantage anymore, but still it's pretty great. So the CD is a 3.3% interest. Um, so I'm getting a 0.3% more um, interest rate on the CD and I can pull it out anytime, but it's a little bit more rigid than a save than a high yield savings account. I can't just like pull money out, put money in, mm-hmm. move it around, which I do like that flexibility. So I don't know if the 0.3 APY is really making it totally worth it for me, but for someone who really isn't, doesn't want to play around with their money too much, um, that makes a lot of sense. And there's no penalty. Mm-hmm. I mean, what can you lose? You can pull it out the next day. No problem. Yeah, that's so cool. I I use the CD for my kids. So like when they get oh. birthday money or whatever, I have a CD. I can only have one per um, bank account number. Um, so right now it's under my name, but I have two kids. So I have one under my name and then the other kid is under my husband's name. So we both, they both have a CD. Um, we don't want to pull their money out. Um, so we're able, to, but with, with my bank, I'm able to keep funding it. So, you know, birthday, Christmas, I put the money in there and my account's earning 3% that they, it's usually 3% uh, for ages, but it's a credit union. Um, we're not naming any accounts here because we're not advertising, but you do your research out there, Scrunchy Mama. Yeah, you can Google it. Type in high yield interest account um, and find a bank that you like. I think everyone should have it. Let's say that we have our emergency fund in, a heart, in our high yield interest account and we have a little bit extra money. I was at that point a couple years ago. I'm like, I feel like I should be doing something more, um, but I'm scared of the stock market. So we are not giving you financial advice, okay? We are just two mamas here talking it out. We are trying to figure it out with our own lives and we want you on the journey with us figuring it out, okay? We're doing research and we wanna share that with you. If you need financial advice, there's financial planners, there's financial advisors. You um, can find somebody who can support you with that. But we're giving you topics to take to them. These are all great points to call out and say, you know, financial advisor, what do you think? These two girls are talking about a brokerage account. I think I should have one. How do I do it? So um, they can help you more specifically or even go to your HR about retirement accounts, et cetera. So these are topics for you to take away, learn more, grow your money, get closer to financial independence. I know, yeah. The stock market is scary, especially right now. (laughs) And it was scary to me because I didn't know anything about it. So when I started or when I stumbled across JL Collins, his um, blog, he has a whole series about the stock market. When I read that, I felt like there was some clarity and there was some like relief lifted where it seemed like, you know what? 
this is something I can do. This is, it, there's a little bit of risk involved and, you know, I need to understand the risk, but it wasn't so out of my reach where before the stock market just felt like, you know, something in the, the Wall Street uh, movies and, you know, buy, buy, sell, sell kind of atmosphere, which just was too intimidating for me. What's really exciting about investing in the stock market is compound interest, right? Compound interest is where your money grows money. For example, if you have $100,000 deposited and it receives 5% annual interest, um, if that was simple interest over 10 years, it would earn $50,000. But since we are looking at compound interest, that $100,000 over 10 years at the same 5% compounded grows to $64,361. So that's an extra $14,361 that you are doing nothing. It's just the way the compound interest works. So that's what's really exciting about investing in the stock market. You put a little bit of your money in and then it just grows and snowballs and grows, grows, grows. Um, a lot of people are worried about putting their money into the stock market because first of all, they don't understand it. It seems very complex and there's a lot of misinformation and like things taken out of context and there's journals, et cetera, dedicated to understanding like minute details of companies to understand if you should, you should buy their stock or not. And so it seems like you should have a PhD in finance before you make mm -hmm. a decision in buying in stocks, right? And and I think that um, the reality is, is that there are index funds and other ways of investing in the stock market where you do not have to have that level of, of like minute detail knowledge of each company because you're actually buying a slice of an overall market, which includes, you know, hundreds of thousands of companies. Uh, so I think that's what JL Collins really talks about and what a lot of people in like the fire movement talk about is really stepping back and looking at the history of the stock market as a whole. And if you look at the history of the stock market as a whole, you will see that there are dips, right? Like the Great Depression and all these different uh, market crashes and they crash, but then it keeps going up and the trend has always been up. Mm -hmm. And you can actually see that with the housing market too. The trend, even with the dips of 2008, et cetera, it's a dip, but then the trend is is upwards. Mm -hmm. And I don't, it would take a black swan cataclysmic event to probably change that. And if that mm -hmm. was the case, we'd have a whole lot worse things to think about than our fiat currency disappearing <laughs> in the stock market or something, you know? Um, so I think that hopefully that can kind of help people understand that there's a way bigger picture here. And the bigger picture is that by and large, the stock market is going to go up. So if you buy a, a, a slice of a huge market, like an indexed fund, which is like, you know, the top whatever thousand companies that are constantly mm -hmm. dropping and, and bubbling up to the surface, right? So it self-corrects all the time. If you're just buying a piece of that and the stock market generally always is trending up, forever despite dips you know in the long term if you hold your stock for like 50 years or whatever like you're probably going to make money on it mm -hmm. um that can that can kind of 
take away the the immediacy of like, oh, we're in a recession. It's like, yeah, we're in a recession, but mm-hmm. like in 10 years, we're probably not going to be in a recession. Right. You know, and so it, there's going to be a change and you will probably benefit from the change. And now mm-hmm. if you do um, what's considered dollar cost averaging, which is when you just are always investing a little bit in the stock market over time, it's just consistent. Like every month you're, you know, maxing out your 401k, et cetera. Like you're, you're doing a certain amount of investing every, every week, every month. That's the same, regardless of if, if the stock market's up or down, then you're sometimes buying overpriced stocks and you're sometimes buying stocks on sale and mm-hmm. it ends up evening out. Right. Um, so yes, there's totally risk. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. With anything there is, but the way I see it is that when I buy a stock, I bought that stock. Now it may go down in value tomorrow, but I still own that stock. Mm-hmm. I didn't lose anything. I'll lose something if I sell it. Right. But I haven't lost anything yet because the amount of stocks I own has remained the same. Right. Yeah. And what we really want to look at is that average return. So what we're talking about is index funds. And we really like index funds instead of picking stocks because in an index fund, especially the one that we look at, a total stock market index fund, it has a slice of every uh, uh, traded, every openly traded company in the market. So um, we own a little bit of Facebook, a little bit of Tesla, and a little bit of, you know, that up and coming um, mom and pop company that just went public. So it is scary when the stock market goes down, but because we're looking at that average and uh, of our index fund, um, that is the sustained number. So over you know the past hundred years of the stock market, it has returned on average eleven percent, and that number will fluctuate as more time goes on. But um, that's the average return. So even within you know twenty twenty and everything was down, like the average return is eleven percent. Um, so that that kind of relieves a little bit of uh, uh, risk, it relieves a little bit of like nerve emotions that you're looking, you know, wanting to invest in the stock market and it's going down. Just know that it does eventually go up. Uh, in 2008, I was looking, it took 2008 slash 09 with the big bubble of the economic crash that uh, went back to, um, you know, it, it bounced back up within two years. So it was down like 40%, uh, something like that. And it went back up to that level on par within two years. And then after that, it was just like, you know, from 08 to like 2020, it's just been climbing. So, uh, you, you know, if you're not in the market because you're scared, you're losing out on opportunity. When you look around and you see the people that are in the market, they are the ones who's like winning at this game and we're by the sidelines trying to say like why can't i why can't i well you know what this this is why it's because you're probably scared to do it um just learning and educating yourself um will help reduce that that um, emotional tie to being scared to invest i know it did for me um as well as knowing that like danielle said the market will go up if you look at it, it has, you know, over the past hundred years, 
I know it's really exciting. Uh, some of us who are like, hey, I'm going to get into investing and I want to buy Tesla, right? Oh my God. So many friends are like, do you own Tesla? Let's buy Tesla. And I'm like, well, I kind of do own Tesla because I own the index fund, right? That has every stock market. So when Tesla was here and just kept like climbing to the top, like 10 companies, I and you, Danielle, we were both able to um, be part of that movement uh, because we owned it when, when it just became publicly traded. Now I didn't own like a larger portion of it. Um, when you, pick stocks, you are owning like 100% per se of that stock. And in the index fund, I mean, when I buy one share, it's split up among that thousand companies. So there's that's a great way to reduce your risk um, with the uh, stock market going down because of an index fund, it splits it up over all companies, the total stock market index fund. Um, or S&P 500 is an index fund, and that's only the type 500. I know some people are wondering, what about international stocks? Everyone's, you know, we hear this stuff on the news, and just everyone tells us to buy this, buy that. Um, you know, when you have, uh, when you own an index fund, those companies, for example, like Apple, is selling their product overseas. They are international. It's hard to find a company that's not international these days. You have that exposure to international within an index fund. When we're talking about investing in the stock market, like what account are we talking about? Like what accounts can we invest in, Danielle? Well, first, if you have access to any tax advantaged accounts, I would say you want to start with those. So that's your trustee. 401k, that's usually managed by whatever company um, your company has chosen. Mm -hmm. um, so it could be anybody, Vanguard, TD, Ameritrade, et cetera, Fidelity. Uh, so I would start there. I would call your HR department if you don't, don't have access to the information online and get signed up, figure out what percentage you want to invest, and then go into whatever company they're using. And if you're going to go the index fund route, find a, you know, S&P 500 or a total stock market index fund and try try that out. Um after that, there's if you're eligible for a Roth IRA, you would you would open that yourself. And a Roth IRA is um, an investment account that's tax advantaged when you pull out the money at retirement age. So at 59 and a half, I think is the age. Um, I think you can invest. Um, they've they've upped. So for 2013, yeah, cool. everything got a boost uh, as far as 401ks and Roth IRAs. So I think Roth IRA now you can invest up 6,500 each uh, person working person has to be an earned income so you can't uh, invest for your children unless they've made money mm. um so that one you would open yourself so you'd go and you'd find fidelity vanguard etc charles schwab and you'd open up a roth ira so it's a it's a selection there mm. um and then again search for an index fund or you know what whatever type of fund you're you're interested in investing in and and you can invest up to the maximum for that and then another account, which I've learned to love, is a triple tax advantaged account called the health savings account. <laughs> that was my first, my first year that I got Yay. one, and I'm so excited. Uh, so that is an account where, yes, it's for healthcare expenses, but get this. The money goes in pre-tax. Mm -hmm. It grows tax-free. Mm -hmm. And then you can either take it out for healthcare expenses or wait until you're 65 and take it out tax-free as retirement mm -hmm. income. 
So it's a pretty awesome account. Um, You just save your receipts and then you can take that money out way later if you want to reimburse yourself for healthcare expenses or just Mm -hmm. wait till you're 65, which is probably what I'm going to (laughs) do and take it out then as my retirement income. So I would try all those before opening up a brokerage account Mm. with Again, a company like Charles Schwab, Fidelity, Vanguard, et cetera, mm-hmm. um, and then investing into index funds through a brokerage account, which is there is no tax advantage. You That money is taxed mm-hmm. as income or whatever. Mm-hmm. Put it in. It grows. Mm-hmm. You pull it out. You get taxed on the growth. So- of those accounts that you just mentioned, which ones do you have? Can you have, have like all, all of them? Oh, okay. And more. And more. You can have, yeah, you can have all of them. You can have more. Yeah. I, when I worked for the government, I had a uh, 403B, which is like the nonprofit government version of a 401k plus a pension plus other, you know, so you can, um, you can have a 401k, you can have a Roth IRA if you meet the income criteria, which is uh, relatively high. Uh, and then you could also have a HSA, right? Those all their maximums are not related to each other. And then brokerage is, you know, you can put as much money as your dreams are as far as in there, as long as you have it. Very cool. (laughs) You can put it in. Yeah. I have a 401k. I have a traditional IRA because I plan on doing the um, Roth conversion ladder. And that's a little complex. And maybe we'll cover that on its own topic. Um, But it's typically where you will be rolling over your traditional IRA because that was tax-free in and then you roll into your Roth IRA so that you can take it out tax-free. All that will grow tax-free. So I have traditional IRA because I'm just below the threshold uh, of um, not being eligible with that. Um, And then I have HSA. And I just want to say, I know some people are like, well, I put money in the HSA and I need it. And actually, I did tap into my HSA um, when I had a when I had my second child. I put a bunch of money in it and then I I needed that money. So then I just took it out. I sent in the receipts and I withdrew like, uh, I want to say it was like $7,000 out of the account, which, you know, it's a great like um, future savings, retirement account, financial independence account, because you can invest it. And I do have a huge portion of it invested, which is actually the 7k that I withdrew was all gains. It was, I didn't, didn't even tap into my principal at that point. I ha- I did and do have a brokerage account. At some point I did cash that out. I have some real estate as an alternative investing, but real estate could be a really great Um, diversification portfolio. So with the stocks kind of like fluctuating, my real estate in my area has just like doubled. Um, So it's been like a really good opportunity for me diversifying. Um, I know in some areas, real estate doesn't do so good. So maybe it's not something you want to get into, or maybe you want to get into it in a different area. Um, There's other bloggers out there. There's Bigger pockets. If you're interested in real estate, go check that out. But it's definitely a great 
wealth generating um, vehicle. There's definitely a lot of other alternative investing options. We just are talking about a couple here. Um, I've done uh, private loans with people. People have done private loans with me, et cetera. Um, there's, uh, so that would be called like a micro loan. There's also um, like Fundrise that's investing in real estate um, in small chunks as well as ground floor. And there's I-bonds too, which is, you know, the government bonds. Um, and me and Danielle, we kind of just bought some I-Siri bonds um, because the interest rate was, it was at like 9.6%. Now it's at 6. I don't know, 6.3% or something. Um, those are not invested in the stock market. They are secure. Uh, you can never lose your principal. Um, the interest rate will go down. It fluctuates, but on a six-month basis, and it's locked in for one year. It's really cool. Um, it's an alternative to like a CD. Um, so if you're interested in that, go check it out on treasurydirect.com or something. I don't know if you've been watching, but they are showing within the World Cup uh, banner advertisements of buying crypto. <laughs> should we should we diversify our portfolio with crypto? Does that like, are we missing out? I don't know, Danielle, you have some little bit of, I have a, the various I don't even think I tried to do what percentage of my net worth is in crypto. It's less than like 0.02%. Um, I think so when you get investing and you've maxed out everything, right? You've maxed out your 401k, you've maxed out your Roth IRA if you're eligible. If you have a HSA, you've maxed it out. You're maybe even coast fire at this point. Um, you potentially can start having a little bit of fun with your investments if you want, um, if you're willing to take the risk, if you're willing to do that. Uh, and I think I felt like at this point, I do have um, the opportunity to maybe try some things out and have some diversification as far as like vehicles that I'm investing in and, and types of investments. So I did buy a uh, crypto and um, I've not made any money on it um, but that's fine I mean it's I think it's interesting I'm curious to see what happens mm -hmm. um, I don't think it will no matter what happens I don't think it will uh, dramatically impact my financial picture at all um I don't have a lot of insider information or like, oh, <laughs> this is this is really going to happen. I listened to all the some of the podcasts for the crypto. It's very like uh, energetic and explosive, and like Bitcoin's going to be a million dollars one day, and you know, and it sounds it sounds very exciting. It sounds almost like the casino, and I think that 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 is some that is probably like for me a sign of like, whoa, whoa, mm -hmm. like simple path to wealth get rich slowly. Mm -hmm. That's where I'm at. Right mm -hmm. now, crypto and the blockchain and all that. I don't know too much about it, but it sounds like there is going to be a future for that for sure. It sounds like the technology is awesome. So I think we're going to see it more and more. I don't think it hurts to invest a little bit in money that you are willing to lose. Mm -hmm. I think that's interesting. And that's kind of what I did. Um, and we'll just see what happens. But should it be where you put all of your money? I mean, I've heard of people doing that, but they seem mm -hmm. like they were very educated and well thought out about what they were doing. So that's a, you know, you'd have to go and really educate yourself to figure out if that's the best way to invest your money. 
right? I remember like going to a friend's house and on their computer screen was like the chart of the of the coin they were tracking. And, you know, at the time, like my two-year-old's running around bouncing off the wall. And I'm like, there's no way I can, you know, time this right and sell. And that's another reason why, like, like you said, simple path to wealth, we're talking about investing in broad index funds. It's a slow growth. It's not trying to beat the market. We are moms. We are busy. I am not looking at my stock portfolio and selling when it's you know, high and buying when it's low. You were talking about dollar cost averaging. We just set it and forget it and move on with our lives. And this has worked out really well for us. It's not not just us, all of our, you know, fire blogger um, inspirations, like they've done the same. They just did this, set it and forget it. If you have enjoyed the show, please share with another scrunchy mama and hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. For show notes, resources, and links to our other video shorts, check out our website, scrunchify.com.